and we're back. I'm Gravier Bro. I'm here with Jamal Sandu, and we are screen off script. This week, we're getting into you people and reflecting on all the major movie and TV news of the week. Sammy Zayn made his choice, and he's going to pay. Alright, so in our first segment, we're going to be talking about WWE's Royal Rumble, as we usually talk about some of the bigger, major professional wrestling shows. Uh, we're also going to be talking about you people and all the biggest news of this week. If you want to skip around, we got timestamps in the description. Jump up, we're on the road to WrestleMania. It's official. I know it's a cliche to even say that, yes. but it's true. Like, this is... Listen, at the end of the day, uh, if you're a wrestling fan and you're listening to this, or if you're not a wrestling fan, even more importantly, and you're listening to this and you're thinking, well, why does it matter if you're on the road to WrestleMania? Why do you think this time of the year is so important to wrestling fans? I think it's the most important event. The destination, WrestleMania being the most important event, the biggest event of the year. Historically. Historically. Yeah, it's right? like our Christmas. Yeah. And how that gets booked begins at Royal Rumble. Yeah. Right, in terms of the number one contender and, and the big program and who's going to be in that spot, that main event, that headliner spot. Uh, and in addition to that, you can start to kind of plant the seeds for other programs and other matches and other angles. Yeah, right. and it's the biggest show of the year, but it, it's the biggest show of the year because WWE makes it feel like it's the biggest show of the year. Yeah. They take that Royal Rumble very seriously, traditionally, Yeah, to where it was like, okay, cool, everything starts here and we have to build to, and to make sure that this upcoming show is as big as it can be yeah and the royal rumble itself is such a fun event conceptually right and if you haven't been paying attention to weekly raw and smackdown for the last you know, six seven eight nine months and you're not plugged in or invested in any story well this is a great way just to jump in yeah, because you can just watch the royal rumble it's a fun event um you know it from your, you know when you were a child and you maybe might have kind of like checked out of pro wrestling or the wwe but you know how the royal rumble works it's very easy to to understand the mechanics of what happens. And to add a little bit of extra little sauce or, you know, spice on the story, like at the end of the day, for, you know, our entire lifetimes, this is what this is the time of the year we look forward to wrestling the most. Yeah. Right. And on top of that, that has been kind of taken away from us for the past couple of years because there's this egomaniac named Vince McMahon who was basically terrorizing this time of the year. He would basically tell the fans like, hey, this is what you want for this entire part of the year. And this is what you want to be the biggest storyline. But you know what? I decide that it's going to be what I choose. That's going to end up being the biggest thing. And you're going to like it or you're not, but you're going to keep watching it. It was a very like weird Stockholm syndrome thing that WWE fans were going through with Vince where like, our captor was, we're like forced to like this thing that he was setting up. It was completely against the interests of what us as fans wanted. And there was this real weird contentious relationship between fans and management. And now we finally have this new dude, Triple H, Hunter Hearst Lumsley, Paul Levesque, if you're a fan. And this is his first showing. Mm -hmm. And we're, we're finally over his first Royal Rumble on the way to his first WrestleMania. So this feels like it's finally in new hands and it's very exciting times. But how do you think he did? How do you rate that Royal Rumble. I thought he did really well. Really, really well. Like, I felt like there's definitely some parts of the overall show that I didn't like. Mm -hmm. And then there were parts of the show that I really liked. Yeah. And then there's one specific element that I think is goat level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like some of the greatest, if not one of the greatest angles, moments, whatever you want to call the aftermath of the main event. Yeah. 
of all time. And I'm not talking about WWE, I'm talking pro wrestling, period. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's interesting because, like, a lot of people are talking about how, like, you know, the ending after the WWE Championship match between Kevin Owens and Roman Reigns, that segment afterwards is arguably the greatest segment that's ever happened in wrestling. Why, from, like, let's say a movie fan perspective, mm-hmm. why do you think that is? I feel like what the whole bloodline slash Sami Zayn story has shown us is just the... And I I know that overall, the last two, three years since Roman came back, there's been a lot of different people involved in the creative, um, the writing. But when you think about the delivery, the acting, the actual performances, the whole story has just gotten better and better and better. Like, Jey Uso is so incredible as a part of this act Right, I know that Sammy and Roman kind of like are gonna get maybe the the biggest plaudits, mm-hmm. but Jey Uso, in my opinion, is one of the MVPs of this whole thing. I right? completely agree. Yeah, and I think what's happened since Sammy kind of entered the fray in terms of this story, it's elevated everything. It's given you so much nuance in terms of okay, there's a heel faction. Um, Sammy's turned against his old, you know old best friend, but we're now starting to root for him because we can see the devilish plot that Roman Reigns is doing, and it's sometimes just a smirk to the camera, mm-hmm. just looking at the. There's so many little things, right? So, for people that have been invested, and I'm not just talking since Sammy came on board, the whole story since Roman came back, I think it's been such a great culmination, such a massive, massive payoff to this, what, two, three-year storyline. And there's still so much more. Now, now what happens next? And um, I think that in itself is kind of like the biggest um, round of applause and flowers I can give, especially given one thing that was a knock historically on WWE is is that long-term storytelling. And here's a perfect example. And it's not the case across the board. Yeah. But for this particular act and program, they have absolutely nailed it from beginning to end. Yeah. Wrestling is like a really odd thing, right? Because you, it's hard to give credit where credit is due. At the end of the day, it's not like movies where like movies have stars and Mm. directors, producers are in charge of what they do for wrestling for that final segment. Who do you give credit to, right? Like Roman Reigns is is this massive mob boss figure who exists in the story right now. And Sammy has become this massive underdog character that exists that everyone is rooting for on this very like visceral level. And you can see it from fans. They are, they're not reacting in a way that's like, this is awesome, where it's like a contrived, like, okay, cool. This is how I'm supposed to feel about wrestling right now. No, no, this is a genuine moment that people are experiencing right now. And I think that's obviously why it translates the most. But on top of that, like, Triple H masterminding this whole situation with guys like Sammy and potentially with guys like Heyman. All these people are kind of coming together. When when you look at this and it's a, it's a lot of people kind of like it's a lot of cooks in the kitchen, but they're all working towards a singular goal. Mm. And the one thing that I kind of love about the Royal Rumble is it made me feel like we're finally moving towards a new direction and it felt massively refreshing to see the WWE deliver on the biggest stage that they have. And I'm glad they pulled the trigger on on Sammy and Roman now. Like, I don't feel like at any point this story has overstayed its welcome. Like, it felt like the pacing and, like, the the progression of the story has mm-hmm. been really well done. Sure. And, and again, you know, it, it kind of gives you so much to chew on in terms of what can potentially happen next. And I'm not just talking about Elimination Chamber and WrestleMania. I'm talking the next six months, the next nine months. There's so many things that could potentially kind of play out here and you're, you know, invested and along for the ride. Yeah, I agree. And, and it kind of just it's giving people that good faith in a guy like Triple H just mm-hmm. knowing that he's in charge and knowing that you can trust somebody like that that like you know what if I watch this show it's like any director right like yeah. if a director just gives us a great movie we're going to be willing to give him a chance on the next one mm-hmm. and that's what Triple H is doing he's building this cachet 
well, we're getting really excited for this movie he's about to put out. Yeah. Right. And this is all promotion up until this WrestleMania, essentially. And what Apro- he's sh- apropos, by the way, yeah, they're going to Hollywood. Exactly. So talking about like in you know, a cinematic uh, um, performances here, yeah. they're literally going to LA. They're going to Hollywood. Absolutely. And you can see what he's done in the past few months of like making the shows super tight, five six matches really, nothing really more than that. Even when you look at the overall scope of wrestling right now, what Triple H is doing, it feels like he's taken what worked in his model of NXT and finally transferred it over properly mm. to the main roster. And what that shows me is like at the end of the day, if you had his NXT shows. But didn't you had the talent that was on the main roster? And the thing is, it is still not his first full 12 months. Yeah. Let's see what his first WrestleMania is. Let's see what his first Raw after Mania is and, and all these different things, right? Yeah, I, 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 from a personal perspective, I just feel like I'm done questioning things moving forward. I'm done kind of thinking like, um, oh, so-and-so should do this. I'm like, you know what? I trust Triple H and what these guys are doing. I'm going to see how it plays out. You know and if, if after the fact, I'm like, you know what? I'm not feeling it. I will say that. But from now on, I'm just going to be like, you know what? I feel like for the most part, they're nailing it and doing a great job. My personal enjoyment level of like Raw and SmackDown week on week, which I work. So I'm like, I'm forced to watch it regardless. Yeah. I enjoy these shows. You know what? At the end of the day, like I can understand that perspective and I can understand somebody else being like, you know what? I'm going to still critique this stuff. Which is fine. Because like, yeah. you know what? At the end of the day, like it's not like WWE is above criticism no, like even on the show is. yeah if we talk about like what we didn't love like one biggest criticism i have of this entire show and it's funny because when we go back and we look at what triple h has done in nxt he built essentially this woman's evolution mm-hmm. the ability for women to be showcased in such a high platform and not, for her to not feel like they're being given an opportunity it's like they're taking these opportunities and this event made me think why did he get that so wrong? So many of the women's matches and even the Roy- the women's rumble felt like it was almost like an afterthought. And that's the biggest criticism that I have. And at the end of the day, I don't think his entire regime is going to be above criticism. But mm. the things that he's doing and what he's cultivating right now, when I look at this weekend, the biggest winners that I see, not only are the people involved in the bloodline storyline, like obviously we'll talk about Cody, like Rhea Ripley came out singularly as that the one woman that stands out above all like a lot of other women in this division. And I think Gunther is somebody I want to talk about really quickly because I think he should be given his flowers so tremendously to the point where I'm pretty sure that if the logical story is that we're going from Roman to Cody for the title, I think the next person after that that takes the title off Cody is probably going to be Gunther. Mm. I'm of that thought process just because he has such a major showing this weekend and they they kind of featured him in a way that made him be like, oh, this is a guy. This is like... If your main like if your main event scene in the WWE, if the foundation of that is Roman Reigns, Cody Rhodes, Brock Lesnar, Seth Rollins, and Gunther now, I'm good. Yeah, I am totally okay with following whatever storylines have to happen with that. Yeah, it feels like Gunther's going to be you know world champion at some point down the road, and it feels that like they're heading in the direction of him versus Brock at WrestleMania, which would be so damn good. Yeah. Um, a quick thing about Rhea Ripley, like I agree, like I feel like you know one of the you know weak elements of of the show itself was you know Bianca versus Alexa, and it may just be the whole kind of Alexa dipping into the Bray Wyatt angle. It still feels like we're not really understanding it getting it or it's not it's not landing well um and maybe they need a better foil for bianca who's such a you know super hot baby face on the program i that's true but i think the bray stuff is just at the end of the day the bray stuff is fun on the way there yeah he just doesn't have a way to like he's like judd apatow 
You know what I mean? He can build up and have these great scenes leading up, but that third act is always going to suck. Yeah, and the thing is, I'm not talking about Bray right here. I'm just talking about like that match and, and why I felt and, like... And it, I agree. I think that it had a problem because at the end of the day, people are waiting for this Bray payoff to happen and it just never did. If they just let Alexa be Alexa, like like just show, hey, I'm here to compete, like the competitive sport side of like a, a character potentially, instead of like this mis- this kind of mythical, mystique, you know, supernatural stuff, maybe they would have worked a bit better. I don't know, but... Um, to bring it back to you know a focus on on the women here, they nailed it with Rhea Ripley. Number one in it, she did it, the whole performance. You know, again, I feel like the women's rumble was weaker than the men's rumble, but that could also just be because of the booking. It's hard to watch two rumbles within a three-hour space, yeah. right? Uh, but you know, and, and actually looking back at previous rumbles, I have felt like that. Whichever rumble goes on first, I feel like I've got a better appetite for. I think at the end of the day, they just haven't figured it out. Yeah. Like there is something there, obviously, and like the women's rumble does work, but and you have to go down. You can't they, go back. They haven't figured it out. At yeah. the end of the day, they just haven't, unfortunately. The, I, I think the one thing that I really want to talk about, and I think the biggest thing that we should talk about this weekend is yeah. on top of like all the Sammy stuff and all that. There has been like now there's like the Cody element, right? And we're when we're talking about the road to WrestleMania, we're talking about Roman Reigns holding the title for essentially two and a half years. Yeah, walking into this WrestleMania and everyone really feels like they expect the title to come off in this time. Yeah. Right? Doesn't it feel like WrestleMania, like, it, this is it. This is the end of the, this is the culmination of this story. But we just don't know what's going to happen. Cody won the Rumble in this absolutely incredible Royal Rumble. Sammy just got turned on slash turned on Roman at the end of the actual show. Where do you kind of see all of this going? The spoilers are, uh, as of this recording, right now the rumor is that they're going to have Sammy versus Roman at Montreal. Which right. would make so much sense. Which makes all the sense in the world. Yeah. But how do you see WrestleMania kind of playing out? Cody going over, finally, you know, ending this run by Roman Reigns. Um, that's the only way I think you can book it. Because so what about when are you good? I think after the Elimination Chamber, depending on how that. Like, here's the thing, right? Roman beating Sammy in the main event of Elimination Chamber in Montreal. Could you imagine how nuclear that heat's going to be on him in terms of the, the perception of him just being such a out there heel? Like he already got the FU Roman chance at the Rumble. It's only going to amplify in Montreal. So kind of pitting, you know, a real hot heel in Roman Reigns against a really good baby face that potentially could get even hotter as we kind of get close to WrestleMania in Cody Rhodes makes so much sense. But then coming back to your question about what you do with Sammy... I think Sammy and KO versus the Usos, especially with what Jay going to do, who are his allegiances with, is he all in on the bloodline? It could literally be the 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 implosion of the bloodline at WrestleMania. And in fact, I feel like what you could do with Sammy and KO versus the Usos could main event and headline night one. That's how big that program could be. And wouldn't it be cool if a tag team championship match actually headlined like one of the nights of WrestleMania? That'd be pretty cool in my opinion. I just don't see any of that happening. Like, I, that's my only thing. Like, at the end sure. of the day, I don't see WWE headlining any of their pay-per-views with a tag team match. That's okay. number one. But number two, doesn't it feel weird that Jay Uso and Sammy are going to fight right now? Like, they seem like they finally have, like, established this brotherhood. And mm. now, all of a sudden, at WrestleMania, I'm supposed to be like, oh, these guys are mad at each other? Again, we've got so many rules and smackdowns to see how this all plays out. It feels like an unnatural conclusion now at this point maybe that's how you feel now but like i said let's see how it plays out and that's the old kind of like cliche line but i genuinely feel like i'm so good with what they've done so far 
and I'm like so invested in Elimination Chamber and Mania and what they could potentially do. I'm just locked in. I'm like, let's see what they give because I feel like they're nailing it for the most part. So how do you feel about Cody winning? How do you feel about him being the guy? They didn't obviously put Sammy even in that rumble. How do yeah. you feel about him being now essentially the next guy? Um, I feel like, first of all, I, I wouldn't mind. Uh, I'm down to see what that could look like. I respect everything he's done in the business. And I almost feel like it would be the biggest statement and message to the industry to say, hey, you can A, leave, come back and still be one of our top guys. Or hey, if you're a notable figure in AEW and you're thinking about testing free agency, look at how we treated one of the guys that founded the company, right? So I think there'll be a lot of statements made if they allow him to go over on Roman. And also I feel like finally we need, uh, whether it works or not, it'll be nice to just go in a new direction with the championship picture. Roman's been in that spot for what, two, three years now. So to finally kind of just go in a new direction, especially with a baby face how do they book him do they have enough heels and they start to have questions um they obviously have already started to tease you know potentially him and gunther down the road with you know what him and gunther went through doing the final two in the royal rumble mm-hmm. so I'm, I'm down to see what they could do with it i'm interested yeah okay so i have like a few thoughts mm. just kind of about cody kind of going in to wrestlemania this year because i was thinking about it in the sense of before we were going into the rumble i was thinking like it has to be sammy who wins this thing because right. the fans want it so bad mm-hmm. right they want it to the point, like, you can see on the show that they are all in on Sammy being this. And the reason they put it at the start of the show was to let people know, hey, number one, yep. look, Sammy's not in this goddamn match. Mm-hmm. Don't revolt on Cody, right? And it was supposed to be Cody's moment. And, you know, it's nice to have him at the end being the guy who's shining and pointing at the sign and the fireworks going off in the back. But he didn't get to have that because they knew what they were working with. Yeah, And I feel like a lot of going into this a lot of people thought, like, you know what? This is going to be like Brian, uh, Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania 30, where he's not getting his shot, and people are going to revolt, and they might boo Cody. That was the concern kind of going in. Yeah. What I've kind of realized, if I can monologue for a second, is that Cody deserves this, mm. right? Sometimes I think, um, just on a side tangent, I was thinking about this. Like Sometimes I think, like, Triple H, he always wanted to be the guy. Right. Right? And he, he, he had to live in a generation where they found The Rock, they found Stone Cold Steve Austin all at the same time while he was there. Right. And basically Cody right now exists as like this weird alternate version of like Triple H. Right. As talented as he is, like Triple H must have had like these internal questions. They're like, am I in this spot because of who I am or is it because of who I'm married to? Mm. Like a lot of these accomplishments that came, they came with an asterisk at the end of the day. Like a lot of people like, you know, especially with, with who he was, he was like this heel that felt like literally he was given championships on a very regular basis. And they were using that as his character. But internally, there must be like a part of him that questions like, did I deserve all of this? And right. Cody, I find as like this second generation kid, he never like, had he never left WWE and accomplished a bunch? Like, let's say he won a rumble. Let's say he did that much like somebody like Randy Orton. There's always going to be like this attachment that he's like this guy's son. Right. And there's always these asterisks. But Cody left. Right. Right. Cody left. He got to prove himself in his post-match interview with uh, Kathy Kelly. And truly, uh, there's a lot of people who followed me over WWE, the WWE universe, as we call them. They're already big enough. They're everywhere. But I was able to bring some of uh, the friends I made along the way. And they're they're out there and connecting to that audience is, is what I miss the most because it was the thing that took me the longest in my career to find. And because 
you know, it, it, like let's say he won a championship anywhere else. I don't think any of that would have mattered as much to him as it meant to him when he first got his first five-star match from Dave Meltzer. Mm-hmm. And I know that's like a nerdy thing to bring up, but mm-hmm. what, what I was thinking is that at the end of the day, he got this ultimate form of validation along the way when he was in AEW. He was already popular when he left WWE, but he got to go onto the like indies and then eventually New Japan and then eventually AEW and became like a guy that was respected in the ring. I believe Cody Rhodes can deliver an incredible program, an incredible match mm. because of these runs that he's had. Yeah. Triple H, as amazing as he is and those internal discussions that he had, it's hard to ever... I can, I can imagine he never got to feel that feeling of validation. And Cody is like this very unique person that nobody else on the planet maybe has had this level of validation that he did. He had a goal. He left the WWE. He got all the validation in the world from other, like the hardcore fans, and then he got to come back. This is like some next level stuff that you never really get to see in any other genre, essentially. And and, and the underlying thing that I haven't even talked about is Triple H and Dusty's relationship, right? When when you see that to this day, how much Dusty has meant to NXT, but more importantly, how much he meant to Triple H, right? And what I genuinely think ultimately what's going to happen is Triple H is going to create this moment for Dusty's kid. Mm. It's going to be a really special situation because this moment, this beautiful moment that we're about to have, I think is about to be a culmination of a story that brings together hardcore fans who only watch New Japan, who only watch AEW, and fans who only watch WWE, right? They're about to bring them all together. They're about to bring together essentially the entire professional wrestling community Mm. to watch Cody Rhodes have this moment. And at the end of the day, like, I, I know you're a fan, obviously, and I am too, of like blockbusters. Right. But we're also fans of like Oscar movies Mm. and you in particular, you're like the ultimate cross section or intersection of like your favorite movie is a blockbuster that's absolute quality. Right. And I've seen it time and time again when when you watch when you talk about your favorite movie ever Terminator 2, that is what it is. It's the culmination of an incredible blockbuster that's so effing good. Yeah. And right now, what I see right now happening with Triple H He's about to have his James Cameron moment at <laughs> yeah, WrestleMania where right. he's about to let Cody become the biggest thing ever and also have massive critical acclaim. Yeah. And it's about to be a beautiful thing for everybody involved. I think it's like this is about to be one like as much as we talk about how great this bloodline story is, the real payoff for me is going to be watching Cody in real life have this amazing payoff for everyone. I was just about to say something not too dissimilar from what you just ended with there. Cody is already a fantastic promo. He, his camera presence, he's, he's so polished. He's in his prime. Can you imagine him being injured thinking, look at what these guys from a, a script writing, from a production element are doing with this bloodline storyline. Mm-hmm. Now you add me with that kind of story and collaboration. What can we, what kind of storyline, what kind of story and what kind of movie can we make yeah. with me as a champion and as a run? And it's funny because at the end of the day, when you have a heel, what you're really doing with a heel and a good booker only is going to really create a big enough heel if they can have a baby face at the end of this that can make the fans actually feel something. It's going to be incredible. And uh, obviously, I'm very curious to see how they get out of this because this mania feels like I don't know what's going to happen, but not like Vince. This is like in a good way, right? And uh, we don't know what's going to happen, but they have really difficult loose ends to tie up now. And they basically got to finish off as strong as they've been building up. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's no way around that, obviously. But this feels like a really fun time to finally be a wrestling fan again. But yeah, let's get into... Uh, we can move on from wrestling for now, but we'll probably dip back into it a few times before the road to WrestleMania. But let's get into some of the biggest news stories of this week. Mm. 
First, the way we're recording this, obviously, is uh, unfortunately going to be before James Gunn gets to announce all his big DC news. But it's, it's interesting because I kind of just wanted to, before we deep dive into that next week, I kind of just want to talk about it because Dave Bautista was talking about how he thinks that James Gunn's direction for DC will be rebooting that whole universe. Mm. He's starting from scratch and starting younger and fresher, and I think you need to do that. Number one, obviously, just because we haven't got the news yet, are you excited, number one? And number two, do you see... That's where James Gunn's going with this. I'm excited. I can't wait to see what the news is. I can't wait for us to break it all down on next week's episode. For the most part, we've been down on DC in general for the vast majority of the content, whether it be movies or whatever the case may be over the last, what, decade? Maybe even longer now. And so, and we're such a big fan of James Gunn. Like, we just have this feeling that he's going to do a good job. We already have that feeling. and. And so, like, and and even like the stuff that we've enjoyed from DC has been him for the most part as yeah, well. With the it, it, isn't movie that so and, refreshing considering how much, like, even for yourself? Like, I remember just a few months ago, like, just being like, I'm done with DC. I'm not even giving it a chance anymore. Yeah, all this kind of stuff. Look at look at the it's immediate turnaround. For yeah, him. and man, him doing the first Superman movie is like the big one for me. It's like, oh man, if he can nail the Superman movie then that is the first major domino to fall mm-hmm. and it's going to set a precedence for everything else to follow. I'm really excited to talk about that next week just because that's going to be what we're going to be watching essentially for the next like possible five, ten years. Yeah, um, yeah. What about, uh, this is an interesting one because we were talking about how Antoine Fuqua is going to be directing a Michael Jackson biopic and we were talking about how like that is just like walking on eggshells trying to figure out how to make that movie. But it's interesting because we were thinking like are they going to be able to tell this story from the perspective of like Michael Jackson or are they going to tell this story from like how the media kind of views him I'm sure it's gonna be like a marriage of all of that yeah but the interesting thing is this time we know that Michael Jackson's nephew Jafar Jackson is actually going to be the person that will star as Michael Jackson in this movie that's crazy obviously unknown yeah but obviously close to the family yeah it's gonna be like at the least like interesting insights that we might not have known but at the very least at the most it might just be like a sugar-coated version of the Michael Jackson story I was just about to say it might have to be a movie that you watch through a particular lens, mm. just given who's involved in the project yeah. and you know, in terms of how that has an effect on the relationships and what they touch on, what they don't touch on, stuff like that. So I'm interested regardless. Uh, but yeah, when stuff like this happens, you start to think, all right, well, what's going to be the portrayal here? Yeah. And what are they going to kind of avoid and what are they going to include? I don't think there has been a more controversial character that has a biopic right mm-hmm. like who else would be even comparable in that in that regard i don't know yeah but um last one i got is that mia goth and uh it's funny that we talk about this because last week when we were doing our oscar show one of my biggest criticisms of the oscars was that they didn't nominate mia goth for her portrayal as pearl in mm-hmm. pearl and uh she was talking about why horror movies are not recognized enough at the oscars mm. uh which was again another one of my criticisms we're right. on the same page uh she said i think that it's very political. It's not entirely on the quality of the project per se. There's a lot going on. There are a lot of cooks in the kitchen when it comes down to nominations. Mm-hmm. Obviously, she's upset. Like, I can imagine being upset because she was phenomenal in that role. We talked about this a little bit last week. I, I'm, I'm almost curious from, like, your perspective. Do you have any changes of thoughts? Like, to hear, like, an actor kind of complain in this way, but, like, justifiably. How, what, what do you make of that? You feel for them? Uh, she ain't the first. She ain't gonna be the last. Do you think uh, it's the right move? The right move for what? For the... For her. To say this? Yeah. Is this a good political move to make? That's a good question. I'm going to lean towards no only because she's so damn fantastic that if you're a filmmaker and you're thinking about a particular role 
and you know that a Maya Goth is out there that can potentially like deliver the, the hell out of a particular performance for a character, then why wouldn't you want... She's definitely going to be, in her generation, one of the most in-demand actress you know actresses to work with just given her performance level yeah the only thing that may have an impact i don't and I, this is just purely speculation is if there are any kind of like real old school la hollywood kind of producers yeah that are like screw you yeah, yeah, yeah. you're not going to be involved in my project or my movie it's anymore. weird right and which is fine because she's working with a24 she's working with so many independent you know producers and and and, uh, and people anyway I, I think she'll be fine and i think where she's coming from right now is justifiable um so and I'm sure there's a lot of people that feel not just other actors, but just professionals in the industry in general that work on particular movies and particular genres that for one reason or another just don't get the uh, respect from the voters of that academy. It's funny because on one side, I can see that she's frustrated and all this kind of stuff. And I yeah. think I think she's absolutely correct in everything she said. But one thing I kind of see her making a statement like this is, and I hope this is it, is that we see her in more horror mm. right she sticks around in the genre because uh i'll talk about it in a little bit but just based on the projects that she has done in her career i'm already up to the point where i think it's an inevitability that she's going to become one of the most iconic actresses in horror period right like the same way we talk about jamie lee curtis and yeah. so many other final girls as they talk about right she is gonna absolutely not only be a part of that but maybe be the best of them all yeah potentially and that's always a, an interesting choice where you can get typecast potentially as this being the kind of the horror genre kind of like well-known actor slash actress mm-hmm. right or do you do a thing there and then show your breadth and your variety. And it all comes down to the individual. Like maybe she wants to do a rom-com and show kind of like, hey, I can do this too. Maybe she wants to do a period piece. I like Again, what an actor chooses to do, what projects they decide to sign up for is a big indication of how far they are willing to push themselves as an actor and how they want to develop and what have you. So yeah, either way, it's going to be interesting to see what kind of career path she goes down. I would love to watch a rom-com with Mia Goth in it and then halfway through she just starts murdering everybody <laughs> and they, they didn't advertise it in that way or right. market it she yeah. just randomly you're just like oh man this is cute oh man their cultures don't get along <laughs> oh my god she's murdering everybody <laughs> that is the movie i want to see but yeah speaking of that we just talked about rom-coms we're getting into this week's movie yeah let's get into uh you people so you want to marry my daughter Yes, yeah, I mean, I do. I mean, Mira told me that you gave up a job in finance so you could start a podcast. Life is short and you got to follow your dream. Now, how are you going to support my daughter by following a dream? Do you have like some dream Bitcoin or a dream 401k or some shit? I am going to give it everything I have. That sounds like some white boy shit. I'm giving everything I've got. Uh, about the first thing, I think we should just talk about the idea of rom-coms. We've mentioned it sure. a few times already, but yeah. I kind of want to just get like a backdrop of like, how do you feel about rom-coms? I'm not sure we've ever talked about this because it's the first time we've ever reviewed a rom-com. Yeah. Not my favorite genre, if I'm being honest. Never has been. Um, do you consider movies like Wedding Crashers uh, as rom-coms? I mean, if you want it, technically you could, or you could just straight up just call it a comedy. There's, there's some Ben Stiller movies that you can call a rom-com that I'm a big fan of. But yeah, in general, it's not like my favorite genre, but I have seen enough over my time. Yeah. I also feel like rom-com is this one of those, not that I'm into it at all, but it's, it's become one of those very out of the box, follow the blueprint um type of things that netflix like if you could, netflix just flooded their ecosystem with these like b-movie rom-coms with like z-list actors that you have no idea about 
And it's just like, same thing with like the Christmas movie. Netflix like releases like 12 Christmas movies that are made for Netflix. You know what's funny though? I don't think that they're like putting nobodies in their rom-coms. It's just like they're doing what they did with rom-coms back in the day, but like they just don't have an avenue for them besides streaming services now. Right. Right. Like, yeah, I kind of want to get into this movie now. We're talking about you people with Jonah Hill, with Eddie Murphy, with this fantastic cast of people. And uh, I kind of wanted to get your take on it because obviously it is based on like the trope of like, oh, different cultures are dating and that can be hard sometimes. And like, that's a movie that's been made a hundred times. Yeah. But I was curious to see what your thoughts were on this one. Yeah. It's like what you just said. It's a, it's a going into the tropes of meet, meeting the parents type of thing as well. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. I had a good time. No way. I had a good time. I was fully expecting you to shit on this movie. No, I, I had a good time. Need to preface it by saying... I watched it opening night, so it was cool to watch kind of like a really big movie for Netflix this month, opening night. Almost yeah. like, oh, you're going to the theatre to watch like a big opening, uh, a big movie on an opening weekend, right? Baked. I was <laughs> super baked. Yeah. And the cool thing about watching a movie at home when you've got access to a pen yeah. is you can continue that high <laughs> as much as you need to throughout the entire movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. It's so easy. It's a, it's a wonderful time to be alive in 2023 in Absolutely. Canada. Right? <laughs> you yeah. achieve similar things with edibles, I've heard. <laughs> <laughs> I won't say it's like, you know, everything landed for me. I won't say it's perfect, but yeah. there's a lot in this movie that I really, really enjoy. I completely agree. I actually, I, I enjoyed this as a, a fun film to watch. Right. You know I mean, like, yeah. again, it's that thing, like we reiterate all the time, but like, not every movie has to be a blockbuster. Not every movie has to be an Oscar movie. Mm-hmm. This, like, and then to be honest, like we were gonna review a few other Oscar movies this week, but a part of me was like, we've been doing Oscar movies so much. I kind of need a break. Right. I kind of need like a mental break to get away from like all of this like heavy headedness. Yeah. And I got to just sit down and watch Jonah Hill act opposite Eddie Murphy. Right. And like it's like yeah, that's exactly what I want. That's mm-hmm. exactly what I wanted right now. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And it's funny because we talk about a guy like Jonah Hill, and I kind of want to talk about his performance and. Uh, he's also a writer on this movie as well. Yeah. But it's interesting and weird in a sense to like see a guy like Jonah Hill in a rom-com because that's not the kind of guy who would traditionally be cast in these movies. Yeah. Even though he's done a few in his past. Not only is he a writer, not only is he obviously the lead, he's actually uh, producing this movie as well. Jonah Hill was my favorite part yeah. of the whole movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. I feel like any, again, I don't know if it's this is specific because he wrote it and, you know, this is his, his project, but whether it was... Ezra's scenes opposite Amira, played by Lauren London, whether it was any scene with Eddie Murphy, whether it was any scene with his parents, uh, shout out Julia Lewis Dreyfus, who I thought also did a great job in this movie. So good. Um, any scene involving him cracked me up. Yeah. Like his comedic timing, his facial mannerisms, the lines that he has, and just everything about Jonah Hill. I just feel like I'm still enjoying this Jonah Hill run from a comedy perspective. Like I still feel like he's in his prime and his peak. Uh, I still don't feel like anything he does is feeling like a, oh, that's a Jonah Hill stereotypical thing. Yeah, yeah. It still feels like it's landing with me. You know what's funny? I feel like he's almost gotten away from like the idea of like, this is what I expect from Jonah Hill. Right. Now it's almost like what I expect from Jonah Hill is like intro Inspection. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's weird because, like, when I'm watching a lot of these Jonah Hill movies, I feel like we had similar upbringings. Mm-hmm. I think a really pivotal part of growing up for 
both of us I think we'd relate to on a very specific level is how much we grew up loving hip hop. Right. Right. It's such a pivotal part of how I grew up and how I view myself, not only like as a man, but like how I view myself as a person. Mm -hmm. I view myself through the lens of hip hop because I listen to hip hop all the time. Right. Right. And it's hard not to like make that a part of like your personality. You know what I mean? And like this movie is really funny because it starts to make you question like, is that okay? Yeah. And you can watch Jonah Hill's character. And I, and that's a like really cool thing because like I mentioned, now it feels like, through introspection like that's what i'm seeing through him when i'm watching him kind of break himself down in this movie i can see how thoughtful his work is because it's him having these conversations probably by himself and with his friends and like realizing like well what is okay like is it okay that i'm a hip-hop fan is it is it okay that i'm a fan of like so much of black culture right participating that like in like a third party kind of way and like you can see him asking these questions to himself through his art and like navigating those really difficult waters and we get to see it all on screen yeah. that's why i think it comes off as so genuine mm. i mean jonah hill he has shown so much diversity on this run as an actor and going from like boy to man in front of our eyes yeah essentially and he's got to a stage now where he's enjoyed so much success he can pick and choose his projects he can finance movies like i said he's a producer on this one and people are, for an entire generation, just interested in a Jonah Hill project or a Jonah Hill movie. I'm, like, very interested to see where he goes, not only just as an actor. I feel like, if anything, that's probably, like, the lowest of expectations that I have at this point. Right. For me, I'm very curious to see where he goes as a director. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's going to be where he gets the most praise at the right. end of the day. Like, he is a tremendous actor. Obviously, he's been in, like several movies that have won Oscars and he's been nominated for like two by himself I'm pretty sure and on top of that just seeing what he did with mid-90s and seeing the kind of directors he's working with like Martin Scorsese and like Quentin Tarantino and all these other guys I I fully expect to get an incredible movie from Jonah Hill within the next five years yeah 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 also it was really fun to see Eddie Murphy kind of come back Mm. and this time he's playing Akbar right and it's really devout Muslim character whose daughter is now dating, dating that Jonah Hill character I love this performance from Eddie Murphy because I feel like a lot of people expect a lot of laughs from Eddie Murphy. And I feel like uh, you get two different guys when you come to Eddie Murphy when it comes to comedy. You get the stand-up guy, and I feel like that's what a lot of people expect. But when you get the actor version of Eddie Murphy, I feel like there's a lot of range there that Mm. people don't appreciate. Mm. And this was like just him letting people play off the idea that Eddie Murphy is like the funniest, the funniest guy in the world. Right. He gets to be like this really strict and like wound up character. And yeah. just seeing any interaction against him made me crack up. Mm. I had two different thoughts about Eddie Murphy in this movie. I feel like I enjoyed the scenes opposite Jonah Hill the most. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause I feel like he could, like you said, he's playing like the straight, the straight guy. Yeah. Right. He's playing the older father figure type, right. To almost lay up the scenes. So Jonah Hill can make us laugh. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Right. And it was all the other scenes that perhaps I didn't enjoy or didn't work for me or land land for me. And I do feel at times Eddie Murphy was doing that thing where he was kind of going into his old bag of tricks and playing kind of like, you know, some characters that we may have seen in previous movies or in previous stand-ups. I don't know. Overall, I still feel like I know Eddie Murphy is still kind of like over the last couple of years doing this comeback, right? Coming to America 2, I did not enjoy. And I was really looking forward to that. I'm like, yeah. oh, wow. Eddie Murphy's going to give us a sequel to one of my favorite movies of the 80s. Let's go. And it just, it was so flat. And that was with another streaming platform in, in Amazon. And here we are with a project with Jonah Hill in Netflix. And, and maybe I think it, this overall just works so much better because he's infusing kind of like 
his comedy with like the youthful exuberance of a Jonah Hill and the kind of comedy he represents and his generation. So I thought it was okay. I thought it was okay. I don't. I, I didn't maybe enjoy his, his performance as much as maybe you did. Yeah. Um. But I thought it was uh, very interesting, and I'm still going to give him all of his flowers. And I'm glad that he's getting like lifetime achievement awards and all these other kind of stuff. I love the interaction that he had with uh, Julie Louis Dreyfus. Right. I feel like obviously Julie Louis Dreyfus is like massively charismatic just as a human being. Yeah. But like seeing what she does in comedy these days is like so much fun. Can I say something about her? Yeah. So. I'm not a fan of her in the MCU. I don't know what it is about her character. Fair. I feel like it's that purple, like, part of her, like, hairdo. I don't know what it is. It's so... I'm just not buying into her character there. But I loved her performance in this movie. Yeah, yeah, I thought yeah. she had some of the best stuff in the entire movie. It's funny because she reminds me of, like, her performance in, like, Curb Your Enthusiasm over here. Right. Because it's, like, her being herself, but, like, cranked up to 10. Right. You know what I mean? Like, just being, like, an obnoxious version of herself. And mm-hmm. I should also mention that, like, you know... Julia Louis Dreyfus is like a fundamental crush for me because right, like okay. I grew up on Elaine. But what this movie tells me is with both of those characters, the Eddie Murphy character and the Julia Louis Dreyfus character, is that old people are the problem, mm. right? <laughs> like, doesn't that seem like like it's like ah, oh, don't worry about the cultures. It's like oh no, it's just the older people seem to be like stuck in their ways mm. and they got to move the hell on. Right, right, right. That's the biggest takeaway that I kind of had. Yeah. What about some like? when we talk about like best scenes and all that kind of stuff what scenes kind of stood out to you as far as like i'm sure comedy was are we just gonna go with our best scene right now yeah, category yeah. yeah can i just tell you this scene i don't know why but it stuck with me and it's been quite a few days since i've seen the movie so when amira played by lauren london goes to ezra's house for the first time and kind of meets his parents and there's a there's a scene where shout out david duchovny who came i had no idea he was in this movie yeah. i'm a massive x-files fan right David Duchovny's character, the dad, is playing the piano and sings John Legend's Ordinary People yes. to her. Oh my God. When it cuts to that scene, I was in tears. It was great. Because he's like the perfect guy. He has very you know, small moments in the movie, but I felt like every time he was on screen, I was just dying, man. He killed it, yeah. honestly. He really did. Like, as like just like being support to le- letting like the big people do their thing and yeah. just being there for like that extra tag was yeah. amazing. Yeah. I love that conversation that they have. The Drake conversation. Mm. That was the most relatable conversation because that's how I talk about music. Right? Right, like, right, I'll right. be like, that's not Take Care of Drake or that's not this. Like, I'll talk about albums in that same kind of way. It right. felt so massively relatable. Mm-hmm. Uh, on top of that, I thought a scene that was hilarious was, uh, and completely incidentally, this isn't even best scene, by the way. This is yeah. just, uh, for, just to make a point that there's this scene in this movie where, surprise, Jonah Hill's good at basketball. Like, that's the point of the scene. But the funniest thing is that Eddie Murphy is green screened into that scene. I saw that. I was like, why did you need to do this? Well, I was like, Doug, just film him at a different basketball <laughs> right. court. This is unnecessary. Yeah, yeah. It was the most useless version of green screen I've ever seen. It was pretty terrible. Yeah. It was like one specific shot where you just see him like turning. You're like, half of his face just went away. Yeah. I don't understand why they had to do that. Another thing that I thought was really funny. Uh, again, this doesn't actually go into best scene. It's just imagine you broke up with a girl. Right. And then all of a sudden your family is like, oh, you guys were pretty good together. Let's plan a surprise wedding for them. <laughs> I'd be so, I'd be like, whoa, 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 can we like talk about this? Like yeah, I'm yeah, super yeah. uncomfortable thinking about like, can we make these changes to actually be in a wedding? That One thing I actually will mention is uh, as far as criticisms go, my biggest thing is that I just didn't believe in Lauren London and Jonah Hill as a couple. Right. I don't feel like we got to see them kind of have fun moments. We only got to see them kind of struggle with each other and then struggle with their families. And then like by the end, I was like, these seem like irreconcilable differences, guys. Like, what are we doing together at this point? Like, I don't know, because it didn't seem like anything was actually done. 
to like fix any of this it was just like all right cool the mom and the dad are gonna have a conversation also i haven't seen laura london in anything in, that i can remember anyway since her run on entourage yeah yeah that's gotta be the most notorious one for her it felt for like sure. oh she also an entourage and then 10 years later she's popping up in this movie yeah it's funny because like um one of the bigger things is she was like married notoriously to like nipsey hustle and then when mm. nipsey hustle passed away she yeah. got like you know kind of push back into the spotlight in yeah. that way and yeah. uh yeah it, this feels like a fun moment for her as well absolutely but it, it definitely was like a weird thing to see but like so that was your best scene just seeing jonah hill in any scene just fumfering his way through every interaction was the most fun mm. what about best character who would you have for that? It's Ezra, Jonah Hill. Like, yeah. he's, my, he's my guy in this movie. Like, yeah, again, yeah. like I said, the point of this movie is to make you laugh. Jonah Hill made me laugh consistently, regardless of who he was acting opposite in every single scene. Yeah, yeah, I fully agree with that. And I hope that, uh, I hope this project does really well because I would love to see more like it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, just seeing people kind of just bring together a great cast and just see how funny you can be. Like, that shouldn't be that difficult to task. What about star rating wise? Zero being the worst, five being the best. Where does this movie end up for you? Gave it a 3.5. And I, like I said, I had a good time watching it. Me and my wife, we both enjoyed it. Yeah, nice. Um, And I don't even feel like any of the criticisms or the things that I didn't enjoy about the movie had an overall impact mm-hmm. in terms of my enjoyment of watching it over that two hour period. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, yeah. For me, I went with a three. I feel like... Uh, it's a romantic comedy. Is it one of the best romantic comedies I've ever seen? No. But is it something that I would recommend to like a fan of the genre? Like, absolutely. Um, I feel like romantic comedy sometimes, they can't just like exist. Like people ask a lot of them. But like sometimes people just want to sit down yeah. and like watch a pleasant movie. You know what I mean? With like a semi-satisfying ending at the end. Like I don't have a problem with that. And who knows? Maybe I just need to see more romantic comedies baked. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that'll help. Yeah. Absolutely. At the end of the day, like sure, it doesn't go all the way with like the comedy side yeah. but it tries to be thought-provoking and i think that's like a fair trade even in the attempt yeah right like the genre is like hard enough and like it's scrutinized enough but like it's cool that they try to like have feelings you know what's crazy i feel like i was dead certain that you'd give it a, a higher rating than me i figured but, yeah. but maybe that's a reflection on your overall palette and your appreciation for rom-coms versus mine and how I've just had a really good time. Yeah. And maybe it's a, su- it's a surprise feeling for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hope that's like a good entryway into like more rom-coms. Hey, maybe. They're, they're pretty awesome. Honestly. Yeah, they are, they are. It's not necessarily that you have to like watch one all the time, but like every time, every once in a while when you want to just have like, like I said, a pleasant experience, you know, you're not going to throw on like a superhero movie or something like that. You just want to chill out and watch a movie that looks similar to your life. I was just about to say it could also actually be a good palate cleanser. Mm. If you're in this kind of vibe and this kind of like um, like pattern of watching a certain um, type of movie a lot, yeah. whether it be at home or in the theater, this is like a good little palate cleanser. Absolutely. As well. Yeah, that's basically everything for you people. But let's get into our last segment of the show. Let's get wrecked. Gentlemen, hit me with Sandu's pick. This week, I am recommending Eddie Murphy, Delirious. It's his 1983 special. It's honestly one of my favorite stand-up specials of all time. Eddie Murphy was in his absolute prime when he dropped this. And no matter how many times I watch it, it has me cracking up in tears without fail it's timeless it's been a while since i've actually watched it um so maybe i should watch it again but yeah if you haven't watched it please go out of your way find it it's incredible it absolutely is one of the best stand-up specials of all time it's funny because when you talk about like a comedy special aging well or not aging well like i feel like comedy isn't evaluated in that way Mm. but one thing that's interesting about any of eddie murphy specials is like you gotta also understand that those first five minutes are gonna be problematic as hell. Mm-hmm. Just be aware. Yeah. <laughs> like, just be aware. I'll just tell you straight up just because 
you'll enjoy the rest but if that's not like a sensitive issue for you the first five ten minutes are going to be a problem mm-hmm. for either of them because it's the exact same topic on both but uh, for me i went with uh, infinity pool this week i went and got to watch that this weekend and just like his dad brandon cronenberg is here to make weird fucking movies all right i will tell you that much it's a psychological and psychedelic thriller that uh really makes you question like this idea of like self it criticizes the rich and like the privileged and makes you like wonder exactly what the hell you just watched because mm. you're uh, I, I watched it with like some people who aren't like the biggest film fans and they sat there and were just like what's exactly going on right right and i think by the end though you kind of if whether it's your cup of tea or not i think is going to be determined a lot of whether you're into weird mind fuck movies right and this is definitely one of those movies and uh if you are into those this is gonna be your jam we did the opposite this week <laughs> i gave the recommendation tied into the movie that rev- we reviewed and you did the thing where you just watched something that's brand new that yeah. anyone can watch. how are we just doing this we're doing the body swap thing I it think. worked out really good <laughs> it worked out really well but yeah that's everything for this week john where can everybody find us we are at screen off script on facebook twitter instagram and tiktok we're available on spotify and apple Podcasts. and hey do us a favor give us a rate and a review it honestly goes a long way on helping our show get found by new audiences awesome thank you for checking us out sweet guys take care